0: Hey guys and girls and everybody. This is Lisa Mandel from the bitch seat podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic transmission network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit the Atlantic and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like the bitch seat going keep us happy then uh you know throw in your pennies you don't even have to pay anything extra <laughs> hey guys hey guys this is the it's the
1: black
0: what if it'd be funny if if we just let it play and we yeah. just never came in yeah i know we're just uh yeah. It's the Bitch Seat Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Lissa. I'm
1: Liz- Phil. I'm Phil. You can I'm be Lissa Phil. too if you want. We can both be Lissa.
0: We're all Lissa today. Yeah. Um, so, today on the podcast, we have a delightful new friend of mine uh, named Adrian Finkel who does an amazing um, photography project called uh, My Naked Truth, um, which is all about um, wearing your vulnerability on your outside, which I am all about and what this show is all about. Um, and before we get to Adrian, uh, the quick business up top, November 30th at the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown Comics, we have a live show, a live podcast recording. We're going to have uh, Mary Holland, uh, amazing actress of uh, Veep and, and UCB and many other things. Uh, Beowulf Jones, who uh, is big with uh, Risk and uh, Zach Sherwin, who always does our wonderful rap music out here. More TBA.
1: And uh and. thanks for, for tuning in. If you're new, uh check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, download, don't listen, just download. We just need we need to. No, you numbers. can listen, you but can like listen you can well.
0: delete right after you download, sure.
1: but please download. But just download, tell your friends, talk to us on Instagram at the bitch seat or Twitter at the underscore bitch underscore seat. And uh yeah, we would love to hear your stories or you know, questions or if you have a an obscure pop cultural thing. Find yeah. me at, at, at Phil Cassell and we'll talk about it because I really love uh, digging up all the things that uh, made us excited as children.
0: Indeed. Um, and I just realized that this intro that we always do—that every other podcasts have to do business of some kind, whether it's an ad or not—it kind of reminds me of like the first like six to nine pages of the Babysitters Club, because like every single book always started with a whole explanation rundown of what the Babysitters Club is, who all the girls are, and uh, after you've gotten through the first few books, you're like, oh, I can just skip this entire chunk of pages. So,
1: yeah, mostly also Mark Maron's first eleven minutes. A lot of people just tend to skip it, but I, <laughs> I enjoy it because I. I like to be reminded that I'm okay.
0: No, I love Marin's first chunk. That's my favorite part of the podcast. Most people don't like it. But like yeah. Duncan Trestle, when he does uh, when he does his business, he takes like 25 minutes to do it, but he like really spices it up. It's yeah. very extra.
1: Yeah, Joe Rogan's first 25 are mostly just he gets all the ads out of the way, and then, and then after 30 minutes, then the show begins.
0: <laughs> yeah, so basically, what I, I, I mean, I'm not offended if you skip ahead through stuff. That's totally fine. But
1: you're missing out. Frankly, you're missing out. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) well, uh, today, Phil, um, we're gonna take it back before we take it forward uh, to uh, fifth grade for me, which was nineteen ninety four. We think. I think. I don't even know if that was it. Oh my god! Tell me about it.
1: I'm not gonna tell you everything about it. I'm gonna tell you one thing. I'm going to focus on the music of 1994. This was a huge effing year for adolescents because I was was about like 10, 11. Right. You were right around that same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was just discovering MTV uh, because I was moving on from Nickelodeon and I wanted something a little bit more real. And here are the top 10 albums of 1994. Number 10, Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. Do you remember seeing Closer? That music video. No. Okay, I do. I and think
0: it, I was scared of the nine inch nails. I was
1: scared as well. <laughs> the nine inch nails. What is it? Twin Peaks? And uh, <laughs> I was very, very blown away. Uh, very interesting. Uh, number nine. Soundgarden. Super unknown. Black hole sun. That was yeah. like my. That was my s- song for the first part of the year. Uh, number eight. Blur. Park life. <gasps> yes,
0: I love. Come Blur. on. Come on.
1: Motherfucker. Uh, number seven. Nas with Illmatic. Nas. Shows how... Nas. Nas. <laughs> Shows we're what I know. We're white. Okay. We're white. Well, we're getting there. Number six, Green Day Dookie. Oh, wow. life changing, huge. Life-changing. Number five, one of the best live albums of all time, Nirvana Unplugged in New York. Yep. That was... Uh, and you could almost... That was one of his last performances, uh, mm-hmm. I think. Um, number four, Portishead Dummy. I came to that later. 20s, 30s. Um, Weezer.
0: Holy with shit. Weezer? Wait, Weezer and Dookie came out the same?
1: Yes, and Soundgarden. Time? And and Joan Osborne at the same time. And the year before Siamese Dream came out, and they finally just like Smashing Pumpkins finally just like exploded onto the mainstream uh with with that, despite all the misgivings within the band. Number two, Oasis definitely maybe. Whoa.
0: Yeah. That yeah, was a huge year.
1: And number one, Jeff Buckley, Grace. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, that's right. I just killed you. Um, I am now is, dead. This is a big year for music. And if you were a child around this time, and you opened up the radio or or MTV, if you
0: opened up if the you opened radio, up your ears,
1: if you turned it on, then you open then you let a little bit of this in, and uh, welcome.
0: I you know I was listening to the radio back then, but I like I didn't have. Because I had grown up listening to like oldies, like do up music, like I didn't really have an appreciation for things that were that kids were listening to. Same. Uh but I I was listening to Bonnie Raitt at the time. And um don't laugh. She is a brilliant musician. Yes. Very jazzy. Um, but you know how I feel about I can't make you love me. I was obsessed with I that. I know. Song.
1: I that was what that was on my uh my college girlfriend's uh mix for me.
0: <laughs> Why?
1: I don't fucking know. Um Does, I loved her. Uh, but it just took a while because like, you know, stop 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 trying to make it happen. Stop trying to make it let it be organic. God damn. Anyway.
0: People are very impatient. Anyway, it was around that time. I feel like it it, it was around that time. When well, maybe a little bit later.
1: Yeah, you know when, when I
0: started masturbating
1: to, to MTV jam uh, the the grind the grind the jam the grind, the but, jam, the grind. The, same thing jamming it out to the grind. Yeah, that's right. Got it.
0: Um, but I feel like there was a lot of like garbage music when I was in fifth grade, but yes. I didn't know the difference. Like, I feel like Michael Bolton was really big back then. Yeah, but M. I knew Kenny to hate G. him. Kenny, yeah. Ugh. Um. Anyway, so uh, I loved fifth grade. It was like my first year. Um. Out of elementary school, because in Guilford, Connecticut, elementary school stops at grade four. And then in middle school, like all the elementary schools come together to one middle school and have grades five and six at Baldwin and then grades seven and eight at Adams. So we had to go through a lot of changes. But fifth grade, I was like super pumped to have like lockers and different class periods. And I was like getting to be a grown up. It was great. Um, So I kept this... um, Composition notebook, which I didn't even have dates in. So that's how like early in my writing that I was. This is a book full of terrible poetry. I mean, give me a break. I was ten or eleven, and so, terrible poetry. Uh, and this one, um, I just thought it was appropriate because our guest today is um, she's just kind of very mouse-like creature, which I love about her. She's very adorable. Um, so this is a poem called "A Mouse's House." And at the top of it there are like tiny there's like a tiny tiny drawings of a tiny little bed of a tiny little it looks like a a, a rock that's a table with two little rock chairs next to it and a tiny little flower vase and all these little tiny cute things and at the t- and I also put a note on it that says not finished in capital letters so don't judge it I guess a mouse's house behind a wall through a little hole is a perfect place for a mouse Everything is miniaturized inside this little house. A spool serves as a pedestal and a matchbox as a bed. Three small stones for a table and chairs. Wow, I didn't even write the fourth line of that stanza. In the corner, there's a washbasin made of a small teacup. The pots and pans are bottle caps, some string and a toothpick and a mop. Some string and a toothpick, a mop. Its favorite little reading chair is some cloth and a cotton ball. A scrap of paper and a little twig make up its parasol. The mouse uses a birthday candle for its only light. That is the end of the poem. <laughs> I really gave up on that one.
1: I want to go through a lot of your poems and then like <laughs> add the, the fourth... Like line that will turn it into a Tom Waits song.
0: No, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> On our, our last podcast that we recorded, we talked about Tom Waits and how I'm terrified of him, but Phil loves Tom Waits. Yeah, uh,
1: that's my that's my prime angry polish angrily polishing my a- action figures uh, music. Yes, yeah, shirtless, um, angrily so polishing.
0: I... All right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I was really into tiny things, miniature things. I had a dollhouse that my mom built from, like she built from a. a a kit. Oh, wow. And I got obsessed with it. I mean, as I collect everything, I got obsessed with it. And so I collected furniture for this dollhouse that was a hundred times nicer than any furniture I will ever be able to own as, as a, a grown up human being. Like silk upholstered <laughs> little, like Victorian couches and like chaise lounges and like china sets that were just way out of my range. But I like tiny things. What did you just do?
1: What did I do? I was just
0: You did you I like, was listening
1: to your impeccable pronunciation and then hit my head on the on the ground on the on the mic thinking about like saying Nas instead of Nas. So don't worry about me. Nas. 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 <laughs> nas. Yes. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, that's it. I think I just like tiny things because I was always tiny. Uh and so I felt like that's manageable for me. By the way, my dollhouse with all of the tons of furniture and like cute accessories and shit, I never had dolls. You you
1: just you just set it up for
0: exactly. I set it up and I arranged it perfectly, and then I just left it there.
1: Wow. You see, if we were friends, which we probably wouldn't have been at the time, you would have broken all my shit. I'm putting my action figures in there.
0: They would have been wrong,
1: grossly ill-fitting for that. Yes, exactly. It
0: was a Victorian dollhouse. But
1: think about the adventures that you know the Star Wars gang would have had in there, and like you know but Frankenstein i was such a, and Wolverine.
0: I was such a perfectionist i think i would have been really upset if anything was moved out of place fair all i like to arrange it all and then admire its beauty
1: and then then go back to cutting out pictures of Nicolas cage and putting it on your door <laughs> exactly cool
0: that was my childhood um great well let's get to it shall we uh yes yeah, so our uh, i already i already basically said so adrian finkel is a delightful um fairy like woman and um she <laughs> she's so adorable uh but listen she's more than just adorable she is a real beautiful woman okay i hate being called adorable i'm sure she does as well <laughs> she uh and she she does this project where she has um people uh come to her space with um, a phrase or a few phrases something that's very very meaningful to them she scrawls it on their naked body in sharpie and then photographs them with it which I think is so amazing because all I want is for us to be naked in front of each other with our hearts on our sleeves and Adrienne does this with her work I'm very excited to have her today Adrienne Finkel I'm sorry I had to go there we never do dark ones here so excuse we see Adrian sitting at a piano, but she's not playing it. She's looking at it. She maybe touches one key and, like, notices the dust on it.
1: Because we're in an old Victorian ballroom that hasn't been touched in a in long years. time. Yeah. It's like somebody set it up for for a party that no one showed up to.
0: And Adrian is wearing a white lacy dress, and she's all alone and a single tear comes down her cheek but it's so beautiful and she turns her head slightly to the left and the sunlight hit, comes through the cathedral windows and hits her in just the right way and she fills up with this beautiful sense of loving herself and she gets up and, and does a little spin on the ballroom floor all by herself.
1: It's never addressed why she's in this abandoned house but you know we'll just assume that everything's alive and anthropomorphic and they wanted her there. There's no beast. Like be- it's just
0: the like yeah. Just the beauty. No just beasts. the beauty. Okay, hi Adrian. You're allowed to talk now.
2: Hi, <laughs> I loved that so much. Oh, good. Does that does that mirror your childhood? I mean, I think in my in my my childhood dreams, yes. But then there would have been like some adorable beast-like man coming in to save the day. Of course, like
1: meatloaf or something. Like meatloaf. <laughs> like like, in his, like my, I will do anything well, for love.
2: I always wanted to marry a Jewish guy when I was younger. So and the beast in Beauty and the Beast, I think he was Jewish. Excuse me. What? Yeah, I think he was Jewish. <laughs> But he is an animal. <laughs> is that, a for you? Was that too much? No, I but think how I decided he was Jewish. I guess because that was what
0: you ultimately wanted. You're like, I want to be the one to place the kiss that turns this frog into a prince.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I, I was sure I was the one. Where did you grow up? On a coast? Um, No, you would think. My parents are from New York, but I uh, grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is kind of a really weird place to grow up. When I moved there, it was just desert, and now it's like shopping malls and Gucci and Prada and all that stuff. But when I was was really little, um, it was just desert. And how did you feel out there? Did you feel like it... Did you feel at home there, or was it always weird? Um, Now, when I go back, I feel like it's home. But when I was growing up, I was so mad at my parents for being from New York and letting me have my childhood in Arizona. Same, same. And I was just so resentful and just always thought, like, the second I can get out of here, I will. I thought about running away. I thought yeah. about emancipating myself so I could move to LA or New York. And then the second I graduated high school, I moved to New York. Yep, um, yep. But now, when I come back... I appreciate how beautiful and serene the city is and how safe and lovely my childhood was. I got to go play in the streets and, you know, nobody really needed to to watch me all of the time.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I I I had the same experience of growing up in a suburban town uh in Connecticut and my parents were from New York and I was like, "Why did you raise <laughs> me here? It was it was just like a yeah. huge injustice." And the day that I the day after I graduated
2: college, I moved to New York. Yep. Same.
1: How big was your high school?
2: My high school was two thousand kids. Oh, Jesus, pretty large. It was pretty yeah. large, and it was a good school, so that was good. And I had a big group of friends, which was great. Um, that was I was super tight with. So, what, how did you know them from? Were that were they theater kids or so, were they just? You know how you uh, said your school kind of splits off when growing? Yeah. Like my friends that I went to school with, I went to school with from preschool through senior year of high school. Oh wow. So they are family. So they are family. Uh, so yeah. So th- that's really how it all kind of came to be. But then in high school, I had a little bit of predicament because I was I had like the cool girlfriends, and then I also was in the theater group. Uh... So it was it was tricky. I wanted I wanted to be like a woman of the people, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I was really a theater kid at heart. I had a lot of lunches in the in the black box. So <laughs> oh, did you? I think that's where I I really belonged. <laughs> yeah. Wait, your school had a black box theater? Mm-hmm. We had a black box theater. That's yeah. really advanced. Yes, it w- it it was, I guess, now that I think about it. I, we just had it. So I was like, this is just normal. But I
0: feel like, I don't know if you've had this experience too, Phil. I don't know. I feel like your fr- friend experience growing up was pretty different from mine. But I, I also wanted to, I didn't want to have to decide one group or another. I wanted to be, well, I don't like disappointing people, and I wanted to be appealing to all. Mm-hmm. So I had friends who were like, Girlfriends who were like on the field hockey team or on the soccer team or on track or whatever. I was never those things because I didn't do any sports. But they respected me. But then like once I started doing theater in high school and those were all like the the nerds. Yes. There <laughs> comes a point when you kind of like go over that line and you're like, well, I'm sacrificing the cool kids to do this because it is my heart.
2: Right. Yeah. I,
1: yeah. I, I hated the cool kids. Even though I was friends with them, I never wanted to be with them. <laughs> All the cool, cause they were I always mean. felt that, yeah, they were mean, and I always felt the divisions. When I wanted to be an actor in in middle school, there was a drama club, and it was run by this gentleman who didn't actually do straight plays. He did straight plays that had techno dance breaks. what? Yes. So there would be like these stupid comedies. And then, in the middle of the act, one act two, it would just be like techno dancing. And it would be all these like fit dudes and like structure shirts that were the actors that were not actors, but they were the actors of the show.
0: what this isn't this was not community theater?
1: No, this was the middle school. This was their idea of drama club. and i was and i I was in one play, and then eventually i just, it just tapered off for me because they didn't really have anything for me because I didn't dance and i was not I wasn't cool. And so I had like a very healthy uh disrespect and contempt <laughs> for them. And so all of my friends were outcasts because I was an outcast, but I had a lot of friends that were outcasts. So and I always just wanted to get them all together because I felt we could just rise up and I know
0: you want to get them all everyone. together. Yeah. Like yeah. like in the breakfast club when people come together from all different walks of life.
1: Yeah. That's what I wanted. I cuz I had friends in the drama area, and friends in the film area. Friends in the nowhere area, right. and I just well wanted them to hang out. Didn't quite work out, but it did.
2: I know. I've always been that way. I still all, all my friends. I went to two different colleges. I made. I introduced those people to each other, and mm-hmm. they're all friends. And they're all friends with my friends from high school because I was so obsessed with connecting everybody. Yeah. So it eventually worked out. I didn't start doing that until after high school because I only you know
1: only I had the same people. One friend, my, my friend from college, insinuated himself into my high school friends. And we were all pretty tight for a while, but then he and I had a falling out, and then they all still hang out. Right. But they're all we're all still friends, but they're just they went on trips with him without yeah. me, and I was like, okay.
2: It's so weird that I was thinking about this the other day because I really ended up staying much closer to my college friends than my high school friends. Mm-hmm. But my high school friends, like the last day when everyone was going after school to college, we would have these big goodbye nights and I'd cry and tell my mom, I'm never going to oh, see yeah. Kim again. I'm never yeah. going to see Steph again. And, like, I saw them all the time, first of all. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm not friends with them anymore. I, I know, mean, I but just I really know. lost touch, not for any other reason, but that my life w- took a left turn, yeah. you know, compared to theirs, and that's I, it. Yeah, I I totally
0: understand. And I, so, y- I should have I read something different, I feel like. But, like, mm. most <laughs> of my journal entries have to do with like not wanting to leave school because I'm afraid to go off I'm afraid I'm afraid that uh what like after an ending of something, whether it's like a dance recital or like a school year or camp or whatever that I'm going to be instantly forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I was just I was so sentimentally attached to it and like didn't because I, I feel like I tried to make families wherever I went. I mean I feel yeah. like I've I always that. tried Similar. to just
1: reconstruct circles after they've been broken cuz would always in like <laughs> begin shows like I I, I would always have friendships with people during shows that's where a lot of the, right. the camaraderie began and ended and then when the show's over you try and hang out with the two or three people that you like the most but I think your poem is 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 pretty good and also <laughs> the preamble because we're basically just setting up really expensive furniture and watching it you know we're not that's what that when you connect friends you just want to like Put it together. I know. I want to like,
2: collect them all. And you want it to go your way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Things go, you know, even for me, I'm still so shocked that certain people are not in my life that I always thought they would be in my life. Yeah. Same. And it's just about, like, accepting it. Even when I'm on a set, I, I work in comedy and TV, but even when I'm on a set, like, thinking, oh, my God, I'm having the best time with all these people, in the back of my mind, I've gotten a lot better at going... Some of these people I may not see after this, and it's okay. I know. But I will live. I will, yeah. The, the it most, breaks my heart. Um, I know. It's really, it's something you have to get used to. Yeah.
0: It's an important lesson to be like, okay, for... Uh, then this is a Rob Bellism. He says, for a reason, for a season, people are in your life for a reason so and for true. a season, and you can't you can't clutch onto them like after the season is over. Like there's another season coming. But I'm like, but that season was so good. I know. Um, I know. So when you were when you were a kid and you you had this like awareness that you were very much like a city girl or mm-hmm. you know a New Yorker and you had been like, <sighs> uh, you know, abysmally ripped from the womb <laughs> right. of the city. Um, <laughs> how, did that? Did that? factor into your life to like did you talk to your friends about that did you were there moments when you forgot that you were a city kid like how did you live in Arizona
2: <laughs> I think that I was kind of in this bubble but always thought that I was different from everybody which is mm-hmm. actually why it's the least shocking that there are so few people that are my still close with me but mm-hmm. the the girl I met a girl actually I was going to say in preschool but we became really close by high school mm-hmm. and she was like a on Theater Kid and she Mm -hmm. was the same way so we would sit in our car and just kind of like dream about the big city and she Mm -hmm. had even more grand ideas than I did and Mm -hmm. we also grew up with Emma Stone who emancipated herself and moved to LA so then that was even for me I was like that's what I'm gonna do and she had got this like Brady Bunch show (laughs) I don't even remember oh yeah I
1: remember that yeah
2: so then so like there were little bits and pieces of things that would make me feel like I was destined for something greater and a lot of my diaries and things that I've written are about that like I'm supposed to be in the big city and I Mm -hmm. also always thought I was supposed to be with famous people which is actually what my childhood thing is about (gasps) Um, but I, I was sure and it's funny that I kind of ended up working in this field without ever having planned on working in this field and mm-hmm. i do meet a lot of famous people and i don't really care yeah but when i was young i was sure i would know all of these people yeah and so like sometimes i have to stop and think like this is kind of cool i'm like i am surrounded by in this world it's just not in the way i ever thought it would totally be. i Absolutely. love that
0: i had moments like that in new york when because like i would do the show live we would do it every month and like We've been doing it for a few years, and by the end of my time in New York, I was
2: like, oh, like, I'm actually living some of my dreams right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, it's super hard to see when you're also just trying to make a living and figure out so much stuff and your yeah. bank yeah. account's empty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we know that so yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's people have such an idea of what all of this is, but the the dream – if you have a dream of being creative and being around funny, cool people, I mean, the fact that we get to to laugh all day and be around some of the funniest people there are yeah. is such a treat. It's just hard to, <laughs> to remind get. ourselves of yeah. that It's hard sometimes. to remind
0: ourselves when we're like, okay, I'm going to eat ramen out of baggage package again. Yes. Um, so yes. tell us, so yes, yes tell, tell us, us about, the, about okay. the thing that you
2: brought. Okay. So I have had obsessions with boys of all kinds my whole life mm-hmm. to this day, but- when I was younger, it was celebrities, obviously. And uh, in fourth grade, it was 1994, so this is super Perfect. topical. Um, I was obsessed, and it was probably like third, fourth, fifth grade mm-hmm. uh, up until today. I'm kidding, but sort of um, <laughs> with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, from Home JTT. Oh
1: yeah. Okay. Oh, see,
2: you're you're definitely our contemporary. Yeah. This
1: is uh, yeah. This okay. Makes sense. Yeah.
2: Okay, so Jonathan Taylor Thomas, for those who don't know, was kind of like a teen heartthrob in the star of this Tim Allen show. And he, at the (laughs) time, I think maybe, I always felt like he was closer to my age than he probably was. I guess I was like 10 and he was probably like 16.
0: Uh, But he was in the teen beat, like the Tiger Beat magazines and shit. And at the
2: time there were like posters you could have of these people and I had posters of him and, I mean, everybody up on my walls. But he was really, I felt a connection to him in a Mm -hmm. very real way. I also happened to develop over the years of my childhood, like, a little bit of a pathological lying situation. Got you. So I don't know where it necessarily came from. I could I could maybe guess, but I probably don't want to do that because it'll throw other people under the bus. But I <laughs> I started to lie to people. And yeah. a lot of – a huge reason I did is because I wanted friends. Yeah. And I didn't feel cool and I wasn't – my, you know, like, a lot of – Clothes that everybody's wearing said, like, Guess or Abercrombie on it. And, like, uh, my mom, which I'm, thank God, didn't let me wear shirts that had name brands on it because she didn't want me to be, be a walking advertisement. Good for so your mom. Felt yeah, sort dude. of left out from these, like, cool girl groups. Yep. Um. So basically, obviously, I had to come up with a plan, and my plan was to tell everyone I was dating Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> so, you, you know, that's a fun, cute little lie <laughs> up until it gets super real and, and kind of ends up Taking over my whole year of fourth grade and wow. ruining my friendships with all, oh, all of no. these people. Some of the people from this year do not speak to me still who are my good friends in fourth grade. Who would, if you asked them about me, would tell you this story.
0: Wow. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's really interesting to hear this because, like, I, I had a, fr- a very good friend, um, a couple of very good friends in, like, seventh grade um, who – uh, I won't name cuz like I'm still right. kind of in touch with I, them but like <laughs> they would do that like they would they would lie as well and like I now you know in hindsight I understand that it was because they just wanted to be accepted mm-hmm. but like it at the time seemed so like manipulative and wrong oh, um yeah. and it's very interesting it's just it's interesting for me to to hear you say yeah. it because you're such a sweet open like and honest actually, person And actually
2: I started telling people about this after I had graduated college, I think something about school made me fearful to tell anybody that I had this this sure. thing happen to me because I lost so many friends. And it was pretty evil mm-hmm. um, and really messed with a lot of people. Yeah, it's not – it's something that I've – I haven't even really talked to my parents about it. Yeah. Like, it's just some weird – it's a weird – it's as if something terrible happened. And mm-hmm. even though it's just a lie, but it was a lie that really messed a lot of things up for me. Um, and that uh-huh. I had to like and there were friendships that I literally had to rebuild from it mm-hmm. and and also like it's it's just weird I'm not a liar anymore but right. like when and you learn I learned the lesson the hard way so maybe that's what what.
0: but it's so cool to, to talk to somebody who's like on the other side of that because I think like we all know people in our lives who do that be- because it comes from a desperation you know to be accepted yeah. right absolutely um, so, so, okay. so tell so, me what, what you've so got here so the
2: sweater I have um, is the sweater I was wearing when I met Jonathan Taylor Thomas Um, and when after I met him I hung this yes would you mind holding it up so we can get a picture oh it's so adorable I I hung this in my um, in my bedroom on a hanger and it was kind of sitting on a tack
0: Uh, it's kind of like how women hang up their wedding dresses on the wall right exactly
2: it's just on the wall next to my bed and this side of the arm touched his arm and so I would smell it like (sighs) I would just come home and smell it and like, think about him. I thought that this side of the arm smelled like him, which is actually probably not possible. <laughs> um, and how did you meet him? I met him because. This was the first meeting. This is how, this is how, was str- I never thought I'd ever meet him in the first place. Right. And in the midst of my my lying, I found an opportunity, which was he was signing autographs at a hot rod show at the convention center in Phoenix. And <laughs> oh my, my dad God. is a car buff. And so I w- I convinced my dad and my sister and her friend, um, we all went together and stood in line to meet Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So once we... Got up to the stage, her, my sister's friend gave Jonathan, um, at the time it was very cool to have like a leather necklace with a peace sign. A, yep, yes, yes, yeah. Yes. peace sign. So Kira gave that to Jonathan and he put it on.
0: Oh my God. And
2: um, and then we all stood together. His mother spoke to my mother for a second, which also helped him with my future lie um, because they were best friends. <laughs> and um, we got this picture together. And I, I wish I had, I needed to dig for it. Otherwise I would have brought it. So we have this picture together. So in, I'm telling all these people in fourth grade, like, this guy's my boyfriend. They're all like, okay, sure, sure, sure. I come in on Monday. I'm like, hey, guys, gather around. Yeah. I was with him this weekend. And they're like, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. I'm like, I was. I w- my mom and – I, I mean, I could – literally fall back into it which is basically like my mom and Jonathan's mom like had breakfast together because he had to go to this signing and so we all went and like sat there all day and it was really boring but and then I said I gave him this necklace so but I gave him this necklace and he put it on and he's like so excited that I have it I'm so glad we got to spend the the day together he like you know this is so important so I have this picture then you know more time goes by when my friends call I'm like Jonathan's on the other line he doesn't want to talk but I can put him on three ways so then they would think he was they were on the phone with him and sometimes sometimes friends would come wow. over and I would say he just left. My neighbor, who doesn't talk to me anymore, she was my good friend yeah. at the time, uh, she every day would come over and I would tell her a story of how he was just there or he just was touching this or like, look, he left his shirt. And so he really was my boyfriend. And I also had a terrible homesick situation where I Mm -hmm. couldn't sleep at friends' houses. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is I would get, like, really homesick in the middle of the night and I would call my mom. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I would gather the girls in a closet. I remember very specifically – also, I have people come up to me telling me they remember this moment of – Wow. Of – Me saying, like, you guys, I have to go. I have a really early flight at 4 a.m. I have to go visit Jonathan. He's, like, been missing me, and it's just been too long, so my mom and I are going to go. And everyone's, like, gathered around. I'm like, so I have to go. And then I'm like, oh, there she is, like, getting in the car. Bye, guys. Wow. And I also was – you know, those posters we were talking about? Yeah. I was forging his signature on the posters and giving everybody wow. signed posters. Oh, my God. So, I, you know, so this was going on for quite some time. Um, but I had a lot of friends. I was killing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this was about – and at the time, I didn't really – I believed – I believed that I knew him. I know that might sound weird, but I almost – it was so intense that, like, I believed my own lie. Yeah. Which, actually, there are parts of my personality sometimes where, like, even if I'm dating someone and I'm, like, sure he loves me, sometimes I'm, like, but am I sure or am I JTT sure?
0: Like (laughs) (laughs) – Like, yeah, that's that's the touchstone now to check. I mean, I totally understand – I totally understand the – because I still talk about this now, and I feel like I still have this issue now of like I don't really know the difference between my very very strong feelings and a uh, gut instinct, right? Um I, Because I think they're different things. But like my feelings have always been huge. Like I'm a very I'm the same way. Like the cups suit in the tarot deck, which is all that's all. Me. <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of tarot lately. We can talk oh, about that later. Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um But like I would. I mean, I had. I was super boy crazy. Also, yeah. I never. Uh, I never dated any boys, but I would just be so infatuated with them and I was just like in love – I mean I thought was in love with them. I was very similar. I remember falling asleep every night with what I would call uh, thinking things or basically fantasies. Like I would just like picture like scenarios in my head with these boys whether I like went to my locker and opened it and found a note from one of them and read it to myself or like all of these. Oh, yeah. It was just so – intense for exactly. me and so I was like there's no way they don't return this feeling like my feeling is so big there's no way they don't return
1: it yeah I had that with crushes yeah mm-hmm. Fantas- you fantasize about a scenario that works out in your favor yeah. but it never it never, never actually happened at least they
2: were real people he was my senior year by high school I was the same way I I, w- yeah. I never dated in high school mm-hmm. I didn't touch anybody till college and mm-hmm. I like but I had a guy that I liked for the whole time I was in high school and yeah. it was like one of the more heartbreaking things ever because I I believed that our connection was so real right. and also at the time you couldn't thank God you couldn't stalk anybody like on Instagram or anything so I remember I found a picture his name was Brad and yeah. I found a picture of him his senior picture like was yeah. floating around like one of those wallet ones yeah and it was like I struck gold yeah and I held on to that thing so tightly and like I you know but in a I don't know. I, I don't know if it was healthy or
1: not. When, I mean. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. Was
0: uh, Like, I, th- I think to, to your point of, like, thank God there was no Instagram back then. Like, I am so grateful. Oh, my God. That there was yeah. no social media because I would have fallen down a hole. Like, there's no way I would have right. been a functioning adult because I was so oh, obsessive same. as it was. We are
1: not even functioning adults now because of this no, shit. No,
2: I, it's. No, it's-, it's- it's a problem. It's an yeah. adult onset ADD. Yeah.
1: When did this turn for you? So,
2: so, so things got a little bit crazy because, and and fully stopped because mm-hmm. what happened was so the, a, a year went by of all these things on top of other lies. Like I, my friend Allie told me that I told her that we owned a whale, and the whale <laughs> was, and the whale. My, my family and I took a weekend trip to San Diego and tagged a whale. And so whenever we want to see where he is, we can like just check in. And it's like just little things like that I mean it, it just well you go- had a very active fantasy life yeah very active I told people I was born in Paris because my mother speaks French like there were a lot of like very far fetched things and anyway so then this Jonathan Taylor Thomas thing goes on for a long time then what happens is I get in there's a show a fashion show called the Emily Anderson Fashion Show which is for a girl that died of, I don't know remember which disease, but she mm-hmm. died of a disease, and every year there's this fashion show, and all of the waspy Scottsdale moms mm-hmm. put their waspy Scottsdale children in this, mm-hmm. and I wasn't allowed to be a part of it because it's very waspy, and I was a Jewish girl in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. and it was just like, I could go support my friends, but I wasn't really a part of it, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh Everyone's going to this thing. My friend Casey and Joanna were modeling in it. We are literally in fourth grade, but I think the parents, like, pay so you can model in sure. it or whatever. Um So I get there, and there's this big poster outside that says Jonathan Taylor Thomas is going to be in the fa- Emily Anderson fashion show today. Oh, my God. Oh, my and, God. And, like, my heart stops because – my friends are there. They're with him backstage. Casey's oh. mother told me, "Oh, they've been with Jonathan for two days because he had to come for rehearsals and they got to spend the weekend with him. They're all staying at this hotel." Oh, no. And I was just thinking, "Oh, my life is truly over. Oh, like my, God. my life is over." So um, we get there. I see him. He like sits at the table next to me. Thank God, I'm like not with friends. I'm just with parents who probably know that I'm a liar. Yeah, but. Um, I didn't talk to him, but, like, my heart was racing, first of all, because I'm obsessed with him. And he's, like, sitting at the table next to me. I don't know him. Yeah. And then, you know, we – they do the fashion show. We go backstage and, like, meet – I kind of, like, pretend when I meet him that I know him because my friends are standing there. Mm -hmm. And then somehow I get home and I don't – like, I'm still, like, how the hell did that happen without somebody, like, confronting me? We're also kids. Like, who knows? So I get to school the next week. It's, like, Monday or Tuesday. And my – teacher pu- pulls me aside oh, no. and she says, you know, I think there's been an issue like with your friends are upset and it's because uh I guess Casey and Joanna went fishing with Jonathan over the weekend and he, he doesn't know who you are and oh. and they asked him <laughs> and like I was beside like I was beside myself. Oh, first God. of all,
1: fuck those guys for going fishing yeah. with him first.
2: Yeah, how did right. they get to do that? I think it was just a part like everyone probably did. Um. So it was just a part of the the weekend. And sh- oh, my God. So, yeah. So I was – I mean, it's so weird that it, like, got to this person who I thought no one would ever know. Um. And so, yeah, he said he didn't know me, and, and everyone at school started talking about it. And I didn't – it was towards the end of fourth grade, and so I didn't really have many friends over the course of the summer. Yeah. And it was just – it was mortifying. I mean, I wish I could remember more details. I think, like, there's parts of it that I, like – Blacked out, I guess, because yeah. I'm like, what? That is awful. It's traumatizing. Like, that's traumatizing. And I thought they were going to call my parents, and they never did. Somehow I tried to keep it kind of all for my parents. Yeah. But um, I'm sure that they knew more than I thought that they knew. I just knew the whole thing was super mortifying.
0: Oh my God, that's so devastating. Yeah. It's like oh, this, yeah. your
2: entire life is built
0: around right. this story. And then, I mean, also, uh, what are the odds? <laughs> that of any fucking celebrity in the world that it would be him who showed up there it was and I I mean I do I think things happen for a reason and blah 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 and like the lot like this experience needed to happen. This to is you. a
1: movie. It, I hope you turn this into a movie. It's,
0: yeah, it needed to be that. Yeah. especially because JTT really was that icon. Like across the country, Absolutely. like oh, yeah. women were f- like girls were freaking out. My friend Michelle, her wall was covered in cutouts oh, yeah. of his face. Like
2: everyone. Oh, yeah. was he even
1: got a very him. special episode with the thyroid. Oh, right.
2: He had a thyroid problem. It was like a sad episode. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. And oh, also when I went to see him in um, Man of the House, I like left the theater because there's like a sad scene and I told my friends like I couldn't handle watching him sad. I mean, there are just so many little nuanced things that happened over time that were just all bullshit. But I also felt like so in love with him that I also was just like, I can't watch him be upset. Yeah. Like, I love him. That's um, so but, he also lives in Silver Lake, guys. I, he, I heard through the grapevine. I have a friend that sees him at Hyperion. Does he look all the, the same? I've never seen him. I'm like, basically, p- friends will text me at like one in the morning and be like, JTT's in this bar. Like, you have to come. And then I'm like, am I going to get out of my pajamas to like go – I don't know, I can but when it's meant to be, it, it'll well. be. Yes, when it's yeah. meant to be, and I'll and I'm I and i am i can not decide if I'm going to tell him this insane story. But
0: oh um, my
1: I, god, I you it's you amazing. <laughs>
2: We've never had anything like this on the
1: show. We, <laughs> oh, I would, we should facilitate this on a bitch seat oh if my we god. can find. Oh my him. god! My can gosh. we
0: get him on a live can show?
1: We get, oh I, my god! What gosh. are you asking me you for? Know? I don't know. No, He's around.
0: Do you know someone who
2: knows someone who I would pitch to him? Do you know whose agent is? I, don't, I don't, you, don't know I don't think he has an agent anymore but we can I can uh, I'm getting him on the <laughs> I can show look into this. because it's a show about
0: childhood and nostalgia and he's like an icon of nostalgia Absolutely everyone would go Oh my! Are you
2: making a note of this? I
1: am making a note if of you this. Don't worry, also, about Also, like
2: this is this would be my like childhood. No,
1: we're fantasy, we're gonna so. we're doing this. <laughs> it's happening for for you. I okay?
2: I would and it, this is actually like the first time I like t- publicly in any way like shared a lot. Thank of Thank you, thank
1: yeah. you <laughs> I, for
0: sharing it with us. It's really amazing. It's really incredible, and I mean we talk about like intense like crushes and obsessions all oh, the time man. on this show, but
1: this guy looks pretty. Let me see oh, him. He's
2: gorgeous. Oh, he's fabulous. He's
1: aged super. Oh, I well. did see that. Do recently. You see that we
2: have the same coloring too, like our. I children. was gonna say shirt. <laughs> he's when children will be stunning. When you were saying
0: earlier, like as soon as you mentioned him, I was like, "Oh, you look like you could be siblings." Oh, yeah, yeah. Or a beautiful couple. Or a beautiful couple. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> amazing. Uh, so, yeah. real quick, because you grew up in Scottsdale, and you said you graduated high school what year? In uh, two
2: thousand
0: three. Oh, so you were a couple of years younger. Did you know? This is super uh, uh, random. A woman named Bridget Howard?
2: Yes. Okay.
0: So she lived – I grew up with her in Connecticut uh until fourth grade. We were best friends. And then after fourth grade, her family moved to Scottsdale, Arizona.
2: She went to my high school. Yeah. But she was older than me and popular. Was she? Yeah. yeah. She
0: – I mean, like, when we were real little kids, like, I know she got older and then she, like, started wearing lots of makeup and got very fancy and now she's a lawyer or something. Okay. But, like, it was a devastating part of my childhood. Wow. Her move? Her move. Yeah. Yeah. We were best friends. Yeah. yeah
2: that's – I've had a few of those, too. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. How, how certain things affect you. Like, friends' moves – Certain oh my God. dudes, yeah, like, and that's kind of it.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I'm kidding. Was, yeah, so much more. Change not of not any being kind. cast in a play. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that was a huge. Ugh. Yeah. Well, so yes, so like regarding moving and stuff. Uh, so I, I grew up in uh, one house my whole life. My mm-hmm. family never moved, and so. Um, uh, I have all of my stuff from then. Mm-hmm. So I give all of my guests a gift at the end of the show oh. that is like some piece of uh, ephemera <laughs> that uh, was is in like the boxes in my, my childhood uh, bedroom. Amazing. So um, for you, Adrian, Relevant or not, it's Scorpio season. Uh, I I was born in November, so this is a ring. Uh, it's a fake. It's made of shit metal. I don't know what, but it's adjustable. It's a heart <gasps> with a it. tiny topaz-colored rhinestone in it. Actually, matches your sweater. Oh, it's beautiful. You can adjust it to fit you. And um, oh my gosh, I'm uh, so excited. And that is from uh, my home in Gilbert, yeah, it fits. Connecticut. There you go. Well, you ring can. Fits. Yes, you can just pretend that it's from JTT. Oh, my gosh, I will. Okay. (laughs) I won't tell anybody.
1: (laughs) I hope that the experience overall was was one where you learned about yourself and you were able to – I mean, you're standing here today. You're sitting here before us. And you hang out with celebrities
0: all the time and are so chill about it and it's not a big deal. So, like, that wasn't a creepy thing that followed you all the way. No,
2: absolutely not. And and even, like, when I was in – when I was in, now it was probably eighth grade, I was obsessed with Justin Timberlake in like a sick way. It was just my next, the next level. Right. Of, after JTT. Right. Um, and I recently got to work on, with him on Popstar. I worked on this movie. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I, and I didn't feel, I didn't feel much, but I knew like for my childhood self, I basically had told everybody I was working with, I'm like, today, he was there for a day. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not gonna be, don't ask me for anything. I'm gonna <laughs> follow this dude around all day and like enjoy watching him work. Yeah. And like try to celebrate that I get to work with this person. That's so yeah, great. But That's yeah. Great. You're living your dreams right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, sorta. Of. Well <laughs> Yeah. Well I mean the celebrity we're thing. Always just living to, around it. Uh, yeah, the celebrity thing is I think it, it was all that, you know, to be a part of something great, to be a part of work that feels great and bigger than you. And I think that entertainment is so special in the sense that we're all kind of Getting to do stuff that is so cool and exciting, and it's not the Good nine to play. five that everybody we know, you know, or right. I was tr- also like convinced as a child that that's what I should go do, which is like get a job and get paid for it. And I, I knew tried there that, was more. Hated it, yeah. And, and just yeah. even sitting here is something to celebrate. Exactly. Oh uh, well, yeah. Adrian, do you have? Would you like to plug um, oh, anything yeah. here? Sure. Um, so I have a book coming out next yes. um, fall called My Naked Truth, and there's a at at there's a website and uh, an Instagram handle. Just follow the Instagram handle. It's easier. And it's My Naked Truth Project. And it's just photos of, of people sharing secrets and advice and quotes that have moved them and shaped them. It's amazing. Yeah. I love
0: what you do. Yeah. I think it's so fucking beautiful. And I can't wait to buy oh, that thanks. book. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us on the bitch seat, Adrian. me. this is fun. Yeah, good the time.
1: quest begins. I know. Oh, thank you. Maybe spot. there's a part two. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there
0: is. I mean, like, listen, that was a real thing that you pulled out of a yeah. hat. Like that is a real fucking story. <laughs> we're gonna
1: uh, we're gonna follow up on this. Please and do. Uh, we're gonna make
0: it happen. Yeah.
1: Exciting. But until we do, treasure what got, got, you, got you here. here.
0: Hi, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Ava DuVernay should have already won an Oscar. Reese Witherspoon doesn't need to make her own production company to get roles. And Oprah is really the only celebrity worthy enough to be president. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk.